Welcome to Obey Your Strengths with Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, Kathy Kirsten. Our guest today is Wynn Kramer, the CEO and re-founder of JLab Audio. He is one busy fella, and I am so happy he took time to talk to me on the Obey Your Strengths podcast. JLab Audio is one of the fastest growing audio companies in the U.S. and a top five headphone brand. I was thrilled when he agreed to come on to my podcast. Now, there's a little bit of a sound quality issue, but I hope it doesn't take away from the amazing content. He's such an inspiration. Have a listen to Wynn Kramer. Welcome, Wynn. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? Better than terrific, thanks. (laughs) Well, that's what it probably is like to be sitting in sunny California, right? (laughs) It is. It's 70 degrees and sunny, but we pay the taxes for it, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, I'm not jealous of those. I'm jealous of that sunshine, but not the taxes. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today on Obey Your Strengths. I have a couple of things that I wanted you to share with my listeners. You have some great stories that I've learned um, over the last six months of getting to know you. So I just want to thank you so much for being here today and sharing your stories with me. Let's talk about your top five strengths. Uh, and I have them right in front of me. So do you mind if I just lead you through them and you tell me a little bit about each one? Yeah, please go ahead. Awesome. Okay. So your number one strength is competition. And when I can't, I'm not sure. I can't think of anybody in my mental Rolodex of someone who has competition number one. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about your competition. Well, I can't relate to that because I don't have a a mental Rolodex of other people's and their strength, but (laughs) it it is what it is, right? It's just, it happens to be number one for me. I didn't know it until I, until I got the test. Um, But I think for me, and, and this is what I share with people, I like to win. I mean, that's not the end game for me. But I like to win, but I really hate losing. Like, I hate losing more than anything in life. And I think as a you know, as you go through a startup or you go through you know the growth of a business, you have to have that type of attitude. You just have to hate losing. You don't need to win every single time, but you just don't want to lose. Awesome. And for me, it, it works. And and your name is Win, right? So W I N. Is there any correlation there? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, my parents certainly uh, either put a lot of pressure on me or set me up for success. I haven't decided which one yet. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move to your number two. Number two, Achiever. Tell me about Achiever. Yeah. You know, it's just one of these things I've always liked to work at a fast pace. I like to work with, let's call it micro goals in mind. It's easier for me um, to, to set smaller goals, accomplish them and do a little celebration and move on to the next goal. I really, I like that feeling of achieving something, getting something and, and doing it really, really fast. I don't like sitting and being complacent and waiting stuff to come to me. I'd rather play offense and, and push. Oh, I love it. You know, when I see the duo of competition and achiever put together, I get really jazzed about that combination because that means you're extrinsically driven. And so you use measurements and competitors to drive yourself, but you're also intrinsically driven with Achiever where you want to do more tomorrow than you did today. And I get really excited about when I see that both of those things in one person, because I know that person has some incredible stories of some amazing things they've done. And I know we're going to share one of those today, but okay. What's number three? Ideation. Tell me about your ideation. So this goes back to just being curious, right? To me, I think that's a very similar word that I would use for this, but I've just always been a question guy. And 
And I, I like coming up with little ideas that I see. And, and they're usually to, in theory, solve something that, that I couldn't figure out how to do in my life. I'm like, there should be a tool for this or something for this. And you can, you can spark that idea from just something that happens in real life. And fortunately for me, I work with really good designers that I can take an idea to and they can help me put it on paper and into CAD and come up with a product at the end of the day. It certainly takes a team to make these ideas come to life, but sparking an idea is, is born, in my opinion, just being curious. Awesome. Okay, tell me about your strategic strength, number four. Yeah, I think this really comes back to, um, at least for me, I, I spent some, some time working on Wall Street and just learned that was a weakness for me was, was P&L. And that, that was very strategic in my mind and being able to, I've never been um, someone that likes to single task. I'm, I'm the, you know, the quintessential multitasker. I do this and I do that and I do this. And when you do that, in my opinion, it's hard to be strategic because you can't focus. And making this shift to work on Wall Street for a little bit in my career um, really forces you to learn how to single task. And I use that in my day-to-day life now and everything I do, That I, especially the people that I coach internally to help them. Like, Don't ever come to me and tell me you're a multitasker. Tell me you know how to single task and focus and let me be average at everything. You'll be great at something. But, but being able to put that all together to form a strategic plan um, was really challenging for me. And I, I'm excited to see that it actually was one of my top five strengths. I mean, that's I didn't expect it to be, um, but learning that that kind of that internal process of working on it worked for me. That makes sense. Totally, it totally does because working more efficiently and getting the uh, thinking through the, all the possibilities of a way to move forward. That's what I think st- when strategic plays at its best. So I can hear that coming out in you, that creative anticipation of working with other people and helping them to do their best straight in a straight shot, like not multitasking, but single task focus. Let's talk about self-assurance. You're number five. It's just, it goes back to being confident, you know, and, and I've, I've never had that problem right or wrong. Um, I mean, I've never, never necessarily been the best at anything I do, but I've always been confident in myself to at least compete in the challenge. Um, and that's all it is for me. I, I have a desire to, to not lose. I'm confident that I can at least understand the game and, and play by the rules of the game and maybe find some creative opportunities to, to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the confidence to compete. When I think about your top five, just the, the confidence in your own ideas and the ways to move forward, and, and then also just to step into the game, I can see how your self-assurance might take all of the other four strengths in your top five and just make them more powerful. So it's such a cool top five. That's awesome. Now let's talk about how we met each other. You and I met through a common acquaintance. I believe it's from one of my, through one of my other clients about six months ago, maybe not that long, five, four or five months ago in our time together, I've gotten to learn about your organization and where you are in the business cycle. So you guys are under incredible growth, but you also have some challenges. Tell us a little bit about what, how you describe your business situation you're currently in at JLab Audio. Business is business is great for JLab. We've had uh, we've had an awesome four or five year run since we call it the refounding, and, and we can get into that a little, a little yes. bit later. As you suggest, you know, we've had it. We've had an awesome run of taking market share. What we do at JLab is we make cool things like earbuds and headphones. We generally sell them through mass retail, 
B2C and, and online through the likes of Amazon, et cetera. But our, our big business is through, um, through U.S. retail. So Walmart, Target, Best Buy, among others. These are our partners that we work with. And we really came in as this challenger brand. And it's hard to get in when you're competing against guys that are oh, like an Apple. And there's these heritage guys like a, like a Harman Kardon with JBL who's, you know, they're, they're just a, a brand that has so much good stuff behind them. And, and we come in here as the challenger trying to figure out how can we compete against these guys. We've been successful in doing so. It's been really, really fun over this five-year period. With that comes all these challenges and headaches, right? It turns into, as the business grows and, and becomes larger and larger, but there's lawsuits you don't expect. There's, there's tariffs that you don't expect. There's now coronavirus that you don't expect. There's all of these things that um, that you always have to deal with. And the joke is it's always something. Um, we just got to figure out what that something is going to be and understand that you can't proactively count for what this something will be because you don't know. You just have to know it's going to be something and ensure you have the time to deal with it. And getting to see how you react in all those scenarios is a true test of your leadership, and it really shows you what shows us what you're made of. I want to know first off. Let's start at the beginning. I want to I want to know why are you called a refounder? Yeah, great question. The original founder of the business exited, and let's call it 2011, uh, 2012 in that in that range, and and I came in to to lead the organization. And in in 2015, the private equity guys that that we had partnered with at the time, um, some of them didn't have our our best interest in mind, and they they married us with some other companies in their portfolio. And those other companies um, had some challenges of their own, and uh, were really pulling down the business from a, from a back office perspective, really from cash, from needs in that regard. We we bought the business out in in 2015 and really went solo. And at that time, we were starting from scratch. I mean, it was uh, it was myself and and a few people that had hung on. Know, for dear life to to see if we could save this business, um, and we turned the corner in 2015, and that's you know at that point the business was was at such a low point, and it's time we decided to refound and, and spark kind of internally create a a new culture of, um, of JLab. That's so cool. I love that you took on. Uh, the challenge, right? Do you notice that about yourself? I mean, I think other investors or people who are in a leadership realm might not necessarily want to take on that kind of challenge. Is that kind of who you are? Not to be not to be cliche, but kind of what I what I said earlier about competition. I don't have to win, but I really hate losing, and I don't want somebody to be able to look at me at the end of the day and say, "You couldn't figure that out." me that's like just the word um so i i enjoy the spirit of competition i enjoy not losing figuring out something challenging like that and strategic like that right i mean there was a lot that that we had to do to make this happen but but i often say and it's not a joke but when you when you look the devil in the eye and you're able to come back up it's uh it's a really empowering feeling Wynn, tell me a little bit about your uh, staff, like, you know, your team. I, lots of entrepreneurs listen and listen to this podcast as they try to build out strength-based teams and organizations. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your team there at JLab Audio. Yeah, so our, I mean, our team makes, 
makes the magic happen. I mean, I'm just, I'm lucky enough to lead them um, into battle each day, but they certainly, um, they, they make the fight easy. Um, but we've, you know, we started from scratch. We had you know, me when we started, and then we started to bolt on the business as, as we grew. And I was, you know, I, I didn't have um, you know, the, I guess, the luxury of necessarily understanding what strengths we were hiring technically, right? I mean, we didn't test people before we hired them. We, we didn't have that luxury right. um, at the time. Um, but what I, what I always looked for in somebody was, um, was a challenger, somebody that I thought never got the opportunity they deserved in either the current organization they were working for or past life in, in some form or fashion. And I, I would look for those people that you know, hit a ceiling for some reason, likely not of their own doing, and I thought if we could get these people in here and remove that ceiling, the sky's the limit for them. But they're fighters and they're challengers and they want to do things. They've just never had the opportunity to do it. And, and that's what we do. I mean, we, we try to hire the best we can. We hire quote unquote winners um, and bring them in here. And then I, I really take my hands off and I say, we hired you to do this. Go do it. There's an obstacle in your way. Tell me and I'll help remove it. But I'm not going to tell you how to how to run your business, your little part of our business, because I'm a multitasker now, and I have to be average at everything. You're going to be great at sales. You're going to be great at marketing. You're going to be great great at operations. We we try to let them fly in that regard, and I'll give you some cool coaching and advice along the way. But you're really going to own that part of the business. One of the conversations you and I had together, you had talked about, you know, finding a really great day for you was when you were able to help. Uh, remove a roadblock for, from someone or for someone. Uh, how do you go about as the, the CEO finding the roadblocks with people? Yeah, I think it's twofold. A, you have to, um, you have to ensure that the quote unquote open door policy is real and that little or small, your team can bring you an obstacle that they see. So you can then just try to either give them advice to remove it or remove it yourself. But then you also have to be kind of a scout out there and really ensure that you know, there, there's a lot of ego in, in a leader's position, right? And we certainly uh, aren't immune to that. We have some ego people in this business. And when you have ego, what you find is that people don't want to tell you at times what is, what's wrong or what's a challenge or they want to be able to get it done without getting you involved. One thing that I've learned in the last few months is that you have this radical availability. <laughs> you try to minimize the amount of commitments that keep you away from your team. And you do have some structure on your calendar. But I think when you talk about seeking out and being an open door, truly open door policy, it does mean being available. Do you have any thoughts about your radical availability? Or you want to tell my listeners what I mean by that? <laughs> And you worded it right. It is being radical availability, and it's awesome for the business. It is um, it is fantastic to grow a business. It's fantastic to coach people within the business. It's not necessarily awesome for you. It's not necessarily awesome for your family. You need to be able to figure out and work on how do you how do you make your personal availability personal? How do you make your business availability professional? Um, I'm not awesome at that at this point in my life. I'm, that's something that I'm personally working on is how I can how I can give both of my families, my, my real family and my work family, um, 
the time that they all need. That's something that I'm working on. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a, sometimes that's a seasonal thing for entrepreneurs, isn't it? That perhaps during different seasons of your year or of your business growth, you have to be more in touch and with the team with the team and radically available. And then other times you can pull back. And I think it's healthy to pull back every once in a while, no matter what, and take some time off. But I love that you are full throttle, a working uh, (laughs) CEO that has not pulled your, um, you know, pulled yourself out of the trenches, so to speak. And that's what I expect to see out of someone who has competition and achiever, to be honest. But it's really inspiring because you believe in hard work and you are the, you walk the talk on it. Right. So that's really uh, inspiring for me when, now let's talk about the biggest story that I wanted to share with my listeners. One day in our conversations, I asked you the question and I'll be honest, it's in my coaching toolkit, but I wanted to end our conversation in a strong note. And I said, Hey, tell me about a recent win. And you brought out this story that I thought was unbelievable. So I want you to share the story of you taking on the U.S. government. So (laughs) start us off from the beginning. Tell us how it got set up, even the part where you were in a plane ride. I mean, that's key. I mean, you know, you reacted in quick uh, fashion. So tell us all about it. Boy, it was it was a battle. Okay, what year was it? Take us back to what year it was. It was 2018 was the first time that we got a we got a hint of something, and so starting at the beginning, I was at uh, FI in Minneapolis, one of the best meetings we've ever had. Um, demand sell through was outpacing our our competitors. We were getting awarded more space. I just got an upgrade on a flight. Like it was the perfect meeting, right? Everything was going perfectly. And when you I say awarded to, more space, you mean like in the retail. In the retailer, right? Let's say we had two feet of dedicated JLab space. We walked out with four feet of dedicated JLab space. So we know we're going to essentially double the business. Nice. Um, when we go through the next round of, of reset. And it was just it was an incredible win, quote unquote, right? It, yeah. was, it was awesome. Uh, on our way to the airport, I get that American Airlines, you've been upgraded thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this day can't get any better. <laughs> so I get into my seat. And now I'm sitting in first class, which I rarely am because I rarely get upgraded. I asked the lady to bring me a glass of champagne because we had a great meeting. She brings me my glass of champagne, and I'm like, I don't know if life can get any better. And then the next bing on the phone comes in, and it's the Wall Street Journal with a note saying tariffs are, are coming on on certain goods. I'm like, oh. So I open that, open the list up, and sure enough, our product was on this list. And it was with, I think at the time, it was a 5% tariff. Which we paid, we paid at the time zero percent, so it's a hundred percent increase over what we currently paid. And I'm looking at this going, how do we, how do we fix this? How do we, how do we at least combat this? You know, on the on the flight back, luckily we had you know Wi-Fi on the plane, but you really get down and you start start working. It was important to me. I mean, this is a Daylight is a value brand. We're not margin rich when we sell a product. We are we're margin low, so every penny, every percentage counts. And, and I knew that if this stuck, we would be in a point where we would have to um, think about either letting people go, raising prices to to the consumer, um, not stopping investing in the business in, in some form or fashion. And none of those paths seemed great, right? It was um, something was going to get impacted. No one, but 
we or I did what I always do, and, and that's kind of roll my sleeves up and figure out what, what can I do. So I kind of made the, the plan on the plane of, of what I'm going to do. So I you know, reached out to our local congressmen, reached out to our, reached out to our senators, um, got involved with the trade groups that we're a part of um, internally with, with Bluetooth. And really, I found out quickly um, that I was really the only person in, in our industry that was, I was speaking up. And hey, this is going to be a problem for us. Um, and, and I get the purpose or the point of tariffs. Um, but at the end of the day, this, this never took American jobs. This wasn't product line that was ever built here and then moved to Asia. This was, if anything, Japan should be upset about it. They've lost a ton of businesses as business shifted from, from there to uh, Taiwan or China. Mm-hmm. Um, but really started to, to understand what I needed to understand. And, and I didn't even know what I didn't know. My day-to-day fight isn't trying to understand tariffs and how this will impact everything and how you even go about fighting this, right? You start at ground zero, and then you build yourself up. And um, we started learning. We started talking to people. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting in front of a Section 301 committee in, in Washington, D.C., kind of expressing what we felt. And and I'm sitting in this in this conference, uh, Kathy, and, and I'm watching you know my, my peers from different business categories, be it bed and bath or tile or what have you, and they're, they're pleading their pitch. And I watch them, and, and they're going through just the numbers of the organization, the numbers. This is how it's going to impact us. And they're going through the list. And I could just watch the committee's eyes just get glazed over every time. Well, they're not telling what this is going to do to them. They're just walking through the numbers, and yeah, their margin's going to fall. Of course it's going to fall, but they're not and what this is really going to impact. So I, as I sat there and I watched this happen, I, I rewrote my five-minute speech, my five-minute time, um, kind of on the spot. And I got up there, and it was more heartfelt. And it was genuine. And it was, look, if this happens, we're going to let, and I'll make up a name, uh, we're going to have to let Sarah from accounting go because we can't afford her. And like it or not, this business... You know, we have to look at the long-term viability of this business. And here's some people that will have to be let go. And here's why we don't think this is fair. And you, you get your five minutes of time and then you sit back and wait. And you have to, we had to wait 45-ish days or so. I'm on another sales call and this time I'm in Canada. And I'm sitting at a bar with my VP of sales. And of course the phone pings again and... Uh, it was a note from our legal team saying, you're not going to believe this, but they pulled your, your number out of the hat. And well, you've been removed from the list of tariffs. And we're like, holy cow, we won. Like, we, we did enough. We made enough noise through the media, through testifying in front of the Section 301 committee in D.C., uh, with our letter-writing campaigns to our senators and uh, our congressmen. We made enough noise for them to say, hey, we're going to take this one off the list. So it was a it was a huge accomplishment at the time for for me to to get that to to happen. So help me understand what in you during that initial plane ride when you found you first read the story about tariffs. What in you was set aflame and said, "I can make a difference here." What was it? I mean, I think that you're you're pointing out your peers kind of just sat back and said, okay, we're going to eat this 5% tariff on the, on our products, but you didn't. What was it that made you f- feel like you could take on a system? You're the strength expert, not me. 
I think there was certainly some achiever competition in me there saying, this isn't right. This is wrong. Um, how can we, how can we fix this? And I'm not going to lose. I'm going to, I'm going to do enough that we do not lose at this. And you know, for a year we did enough. And then it, it went in a different direction after that. But that's a, that's a story for another day. Right. I mean, another challenge, right, that come up, comes up later, you have to then deal with it and make different decisions. But it's pretty inspiring to me that someone like yourself would take on a big system, right? Something that was much larger than just you, your industry. It was the biggest, at least, fight that I had to learn how to fight. And, you know, and, and I, I made the comment of ground zero. And it was, I just... I didn't know what I didn't know. And I mean that authentically. I had no idea where I needed to begin. So you just start, you pick somewhere to start and then you go forward. And, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully you learn something. So the next day you come in and you're starting at ground one. Yeah. And then the next day, maybe ground two. And you just build on this. And, and at the end of the day, at the end of the week or the month or the quarter, whatever it was, you learned enough to state your case. But I think this goes back, Kathy, to, to really removing roadblocks. And this was such a, was a boulder that was sitting in front of our entire team. And I wanted to be able to ensure our team didn't worry about this, that they're just doing their day-to-day stuff. So I can, and I can focus on figuring out how to get this boulder off the road so we can move forward. Um, but I just didn't, it could be such a downer and such, you know, a, an awful thing for culture and for the enthusiasm that we come in with every single day. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that seep into the business. I wanted to to attack it as quickly and enthusiastically as I could. Hopefully the team around me would see that and focus on what they need to focus on. Oh, well, that's an inspirational leader for you. Man, this has been so interesting. I love your uh, stick-to-itiveness. I love the leadership you're showing your team through some of these challenges. Instead of falling prey to them, you fight against them. You stand up and you're heard. I think that's really your self-assurance competition achiever, all those things coming together. Hey, let me ask you my last question that I ask everyone who's on my podcast, and that's the Obey Your Strengths question when, which is, if you were to think about your top five and decide which one is the one that really needs to be fed and is the one that is maybe credit for all of your success or all of your, uh, you know, drive, which one would it be? That's going to be the competition side of things. I mean, I just, I love the game. I love it. You know, we use the term coach and I use some football analogies throughout this and um, that's all part of the game, right? And if, if you think of business in that way, in my opinion, it remains really fun. It remains challenging. And, it, you know, you're going back to playing three-on-three pickup basketball on the, on the half court as a kid. You still get some of that endorphin rush in business if you treat it as such. And for me, it's, it's not just about, I said, winning or losing, although I hate, I hate losing. It's about being able to play the game. Um, and, and I've been blessed enough to be able to play the game um, you know, in the minor leagues, to maybe triple A, single A. Now we're, we're approaching the major leagues, so we're playing it at a level that is has always grown. And, and as a team, we've been able to play it at, at new levels throughout my career. And that's just really awesome to do. Uh, well, that's cool. Tell me, here's the competition question. Tell me one of your recent wins you're super proud of. Oh, recent wins I'm super proud of. That's a good question. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna take myself out of the business for a second and give you a personal win if I could. Yeah. Um, and I said earlier, I have a very hard time um, figuring out personal time versus business time. Um, at the at the end of uh, at the end of the year, my wife got really sick, and I had to I had to focus on just my family for the first time in a really long time. So be, being able to a understand that this is this is what you need to do, and then also understanding at the same time that you've empowered your team to make the decisions for the business and go forward. Um, in a way that you coach them to do so and really abandoning the business for a short period of time so I could focus on what I needed to focus on with my family and understanding and I knew it in my gut the team was ready was a big win for me personally. That's a great ending. Thank you for sharing that win. I love hearing that. That's going to be, that's going to speak to somebody for sure in my listening group, right? That we have to we have to t- sometimes put it all aside and focus on the things we need to and trust those other people that we've hired to play to their own strengths. Thank you, Wynn, for your time today. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate it. Obey Your Strengths is produced by Geek Day Media in association with Game Day Media Enterprises. Executive produced by Lorenzo Gomez, John Garcia, and Michael Largent. To learn more about Kathy Kirsten, visit her website, kathykirsten.com. That's K-A-T-H-Y-K-E-R-S-T-E-N dot com.